You're listening to The Ancient Tradition. A Wonk Media Production. Music provided by Joseph McDade. Here's your host, Dr. Jack Logan. Welcome to The Ancient Tradition. I'm your host, Jack Logan. In this podcast, Audio Writ, you'll find recordings of ancient and modern writings which are directly relevant to the ancient tradition, which refers to the first religious tradition imparted to human beings in the beginning. And on this platform, you can find an entire podcast dedicated to trying to reconstruct the first religious tradition from all of the evidence that we can find in the historical record. And if you haven't given it a listen, I highly recommend that you check it out. Just search for The Ancient Tradition or visit our website, theancienttradition.com. Today's audio recording comes from the book, Reading the Epic of Gilgamesh, which contains Andrew George's English translation. Scholars date the poem to sometime between 2100 and 1200 BC, which makes it the earliest known literary composition of note and the second oldest religious text. Because the poem was originally inscribed on cuneiform tablets, several of which were damaged, you're going to notice that some sections of the poem are missing. Tablet 6, Ishtar and the Bull of Heaven. Back in Uruk, Gilgamesh's beauty provokes the desire of the goddess Ishtar, and she proposes to him. Gilgamesh scorns her, reminding her of the fates suffered by her many former conquests. Ishtar is enraged and rushes up to heaven. She persuades Anu, her father, to give her the fiery bull of heaven, which is the constellation Taurus, so that she can punish Gilgamesh with death. The bull of heaven causes havoc in Uruk, but Gilgamesh and Enkidu discover its weak spot and kill it. They insult Ishtar further and return to the palace in triumph to celebrate their victory. He washed his matted hair. He cleaned his equipment. He shook his hair down over his back. Casting aside his dirty gear, he clad himself in clean, wrapped cloaks around him, tied with a sash. Then did Gilgamesh put on his crown. Oh, the beauty of Gilgamesh, Lady Ishtar looked with longing. Come, Gilgamesh, be my bridegroom. Grant me your fruits, oh, grant me. Be you my husband and I your wife. Let me harness you a chariot of lapis lazuli and gold. Its wheels shall be gold and its horns shall be amber. Driving lions in a team and mules of great size, enter our house amid the sweet scent of cedar. As you enter our house, doorway and footsteps shall kiss your feet. Kings, courtiers, and nobles shall kneel before you. Produce of mountain and lowland, they shall bring you as tribute. Your goats shall bear triplets, your ewes shall bear twins. Your donkey, when laden, shall outpace any mule. Your horse shall gallop at the chariot in glory. No ox shall match yours at the yoke. Gilgamesh opened his mouth to speak, saying to the lady Ishtar, And if indeed I take you in marriage, body and clothing, whence would come my food and my sustenance? Would you feed me bread that is fit for a god, and pour me ale that is fit for a king? Who is there would take you in marriage? You, a frost that congeals no ice, a louverdor that stays no breeze nor drought, a palace that massacres warriors, an elephant witch, its hoods, 
bitumen that stains the hands of its bearer, a water skin that cuts the hands of its bearer, limestone that weakens a wall of ashlar, a battering ram that destroys the walls of the enemy, a shoe that bites the foot of its owner. What bridegroom of yours did endure forever? What brave warrior of yours went up to the heavens? Come, let me tell you the tale of your lovers. Oh, his arm. Dumuzi, the lover of your youth, year upon year, a lamenting you doomed him. You loved and speckled Alalu bird, but broke him down and broke his wing. Now he stands in the woods crying, my wing. You loved the lion, perfect in strength, but for him you dug seven pits and seven. You loved the horse, so famed in battle, but you made his destiny whip, spur, and lash. You made his destiny a seven-league gallop. You made his destiny to drink muddy water and doomed Salili, his mother, to perpetual weeping. You loved the shepherd, the grazier, the herdsman, who gave you piles of loaves baked in embers and slaughtered kids for you day after day. You struck him and turned him into a wolf. Now his very own shepherd boys chase him away and his dogs take bites at his haunches. You loved Ishulanu, your father's gardener, who used to bring you dates in a basket daily making your table gleam. You eyed him up and went to meet him. Oh, my Ishululanu, let us taste your vigor. Put out your hand and stroke my quim. But Ishulanu said to you, Me? What do you want of me? Did my mother not bake? Have I not eaten? That now I should eat the bread of slander and insults? Should I let only rushes cover me in winter? When you heard what he'd said, you struck him and turned him into a dwarf. You sat him down in the midst of his labors. He cannot go up. He cannot go down. Must you love me also and deal me likewise? The goddess Ishtar heard these words. She went up to heaven in a furious rage. Weeping, she went to Anu, her father. Before Antu, her mother, her tears did flow. Oh, father, again and again does Gilgamesh scorn me, telling a tale of foulest slander, slander about me and insults too. Anu opened his mouth to speak, saying to the lady Ishtar, Ah, but was it not you who provoked King Gilgamesh? So he told a tale of foulest slander, slander about you and insults too. Ishtar opened her mouth to speak, saying to her father, Anu, Father, give me, please, the bull of heaven, so in his dwelling I may slay Gilgamesh. If you do not give me the bull of heaven, I shall smash the gates of the underworld right down to its dwelling. To the world below I shall grant manumission. I shall bring up the dead to consume the living, and I shall make the dead outnumber the living. Anu opened his mouth to speak, saying to Lady Ishtar, If you want from me the bull of heaven, let the widow of Uruk gather seven years chaff, and the farmer of Uruk grow seven years hay. Ishtar opened her mouth to speak, saying to her father, Anu, Already I stored. Already I grew. The widow of Uruk has gathered seven years chaff. The farmer of Uruk has grown seven years hay. With the wrath of the bull, I shall have vengeance. Anu heard this speech of Ishtar, the bull of heaven's nose rope he placed in her hands. Down came Ishtar, leading it onward. When it reached the land of Oric, it dried up the woods, the reed beds, and marshes. Down it went to the river, lowered the level by seven full cubits. As the bull of heaven snorted, a pit opened up. 
One hundred men of Uruk fell down it. The second time it snorted, a pit opened up. Two hundred men of Uruk fell down it. The third time it snorted, a pit opened up, and Enkidu fell in as far as his waist. Enkidu sprang up and seized the bull by the horns. In his face, the bull spat slaver with a tuft of its tail. Enkidu opened his mouth to speak, saying to Gilgamesh, his friend, My friend, we vaunted ourselves in our city. How shall we answer the thronging people? My friend, I have tested the might of the bull, so learning its strength and knowing its purpose. Let me test again the might of the bull. I shall get myself behind the bull of heaven. I will seize it by the tuft of the tail. I will set my foot on the back of its leg. Then you, like a butcher brave and skillful, between the yoke of the horns and the slaughter spot, thrust in your knife. Enkidu rushed round to the rear of the bull. He seized it by the tuft of the tail. He set his foot on the back of its leg. Then Gilgamesh, like a butcher, brave and skillful, between the yoke of the horns and the slaughter spot, he thrust in his knife. After they had slain the bull of heaven, they bore its heart aloft and set it before Shamash. Stepping back, they fell prostrate in the presence of the sun god. Then both of them together sat down. Ishtar went up on the wall of Uruk, the sheepfold. Hopping and stamping, she wailed in woe. Alas, Gilgamesh, who mocked me, has killed the bull of heaven. Enkidu heard these words of Ishtar, and tearing a haunch off the bull, he hurled it towards her. Had I caught you too, I'd have treated you likewise. I'd have draped your arms in its guts. Ishtar assembled the courtesans, protestutes and harlots, over the bull of heaven's haunch. She began rites of mourning. Gilgamesh summoned all the smiths and the craftsmen. The size of the horns the craftsmen admired. Thirty minas of lapis lazuli in a solid block, two minas each their rims. Six core of oil, the capacity of both. She gave them to his god Logalbanda to hold oil for ointment. He took them in to hang in his chamber. They washed their hands in the river Euphrates and took each other by the hand and in they came. As they drove along the streets of Uruk, the people were gathered to gaze on them. Gilgamesh spoke a word to the serving girls of his palace. Who is the finest among men? Who the most glorious of fellows? Gilgamesh is the finest among men. Gilgamesh, the most glorious of fellows. Gilgamesh made merry in his palace. At night, the men lay aside on their beds, and Enkidu, as he slept, was having a dream. Enkidu rose to relate the dream, saying to his friend, that concludes the Epic of Gilgamesh, Tablet 6. I hope you enjoyed this audio recording. The Epic of Gilgamesh is one of the world's oldest religious texts, plays a very important role on our sister podcast, where we dive into comparative religion and share with you the amazing, mind-boggling parallels between religious traditions. I highly recommend checking it out. Just search for the Ancient Tradition Podcast. That wraps up this edition of Audio Writ. Remember, in the words of William Shakespeare, Knowledge is the wing wherewith we fly to heaven. I'm Jack Logan. You've been listening to The Ancient Tradition, a Wonk Media production.